We turn together to Proverbs 13. Proverbs chapter 13. A wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the transgressors shall eat violence. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. A righteous man hateth lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and cometh to shame. Righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way, but wickedness overthroweth the sinner. There is that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing, There is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. The ransom of a man's life are his riches, but the poor heareth not rebuke. The light of the righteous rejoiceth, but the lamp of the wicked shall be put out. Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed, but he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. The law of the wise is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Good understanding giveth favor but the way of transgressors is hard. Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge, but a fool layeth open his folly. A wicked messenger falleth into mischief, but a faithful ambassador is health. Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction, but he that regardeth reproof shall be honored. The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul, but it is abomination to fools to depart from evil. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Evil pursueth sinners, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just." Much food is in the tillage of the poor, but there is that is destroyed for want of judgment. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. The righteous eateth to the satisfying of his soul, but the belly of the wicked shall want. We consider together verse 24, he that spareth His rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes.
Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, in our consideration of a number of the Proverbs, we have seen that there are a variety of subjects that run like so many threads throughout this book. And one of those subjects is chastening or disciplining of children within the covenant. The Lord teaches us wisdom regarding this subject as well. And these are a few of the other texts that can be found in the book of Proverbs. Chapter 19, verse 18 says, Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Chapter 22, verse 15 says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Chapter 29, verse 15 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. So there are a number of texts that speak on this topic in the book of Proverbs, and we consider that together this afternoon. There's a great need for us to hear instruction and exhortation on this topic of chastening. For in the first place, I think that most of us would agree that the diligent and faithful disciplining of our children is not something that comes naturally to us. It's not something that comes easily to us. It is difficult. Parenting of children in the church as believers is a high and noble calling, a very important calling. But it's not an easy calling. It's difficult. And particularly, perhaps, the disciplining, the chastening of our children is a very difficult and often very unpleasant task. But it is an extremely important and necessary task for us who care about the spiritual welfare of our children. And the second reason I see for the need for this instruction is that we live in a day and age in which marriages and families are crumbling. We live in a day and age in which the family unit is under attack by a secular society. A day and age in which more and more families are breaking down and there are broken homes all around us. And so, not surprisingly, there is also a breakdown of discipline. So that more and more children in society around us are growing up, either being abused by their parents, who misuse the power and authority of chastening, or they're not hardly chastened at all. And so they either grow up with a broken heart, or they grow up as undisciplined and unruly people. We see this all around us. And added to that is that the philosophy that comes from the universities and the elites about how we parents are to take care of and raise our children says the very opposite of the wisdom of God in our text. The text says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. The philosophy of our age about parenting is, He that spareth his rod loveth his son, but he that hateth him 
chasteneth him betimes. Man always reverses God's wisdom into its opposite. And we see that today as well. So it's important and necessary for us to hear about this. I call your attention to the text under the theme, Using the Rod of Chastening in Love. Notice, first of all, the hateful sparing of the rod that's mentioned in the text. And secondly, the loving chastening of our children. And finally, that this is an important calling for parents. The Holy Spirit inspired Solomon to write in our text that a man or a woman who spares the rod hates his son, but the one who loves him chastens him betimes. The Holy Spirit is here drawing a contrast for us. There are two statements in the text, and they are parallel to each other, and they are a contrast with each other. There is a description of two different kinds of parents, two different kinds of fathers, two different mothers in the text. On the one hand, there is the parent who spares the rod. And on the other hand, there is the parent who chastens their children regularly. What is a rod? The text mentions the rod. We can distinguish a rod from, for example, on the one hand, a thin reed that you might find growing in the Maitland River. Very thin, very weak. Or, on the other hand, we can distinguish it from an iron bar that a blacksmith might make in his shop. Very hard and very strong. A rod is neither of those. A rod in Scripture is a piece of wood, a wooden stick, a wooden staff of some kind, such as those that would be used by a shepherd, for example. And the word rod is sometimes used to refer to a tool of a shepherd, a wooden staff or a rod that the shepherd might use to beat back the approaching wolf on the one hand or that he might use to strike the stubborn sheep on the other hand. It's not going to kill or really do much damage to the sheep at all, but he will use it to guide the sheep. In Scripture, this rod, sometimes called the rod of correction, the rod of reproof, in our text, it's the rod of chastening. This rod is a symbol of the God-given authority and ability that is given to certain individuals to inflict a certain amount of pain, a measured, controlled amount of pain, in order to punish somebody or in order to chasten somebody, in order to stop them in their tracks and bring them back from going astray, back into the right path. God said this about David in Psalm 89, about the sons of David. If his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments, then will I visit their transgressions with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him. In Proverbs 10, verse 13, we read this. God says about a fool, a rod is for the back 
of him that is void of understanding. Therefore, the text stands against the philosophy of our age about parenting, the philosophy that says that a parent must never spank his or her children. The text is teaching us that the rod is given to parents as a God-given authority to inflict a certain amount of measured, controlled pain on their children to teach them, to chasten them, to stop them from walking in the paths of sin and to direct them into the paths of righteousness. Now, the wisdom that's laid out in the text is first negative. The Holy Spirit teaches us that the parent who spares the rod hates his son. That is, the parent who refuses or who neglects to spank their children from time to time when their children walk in sinful ways, hates their child. For example, when a little child in the house is sitting at the dinner table with father and mother, and mom places on the table the various dishes that she has made for supper and dishes it out onto the plate, and the little boy or the little girl is whining and complaining about that food. He doesn't want to eat that food. He wants some other food. And he picks up the food and throws it on the ground. And he cries out and he screams to mom or dad. When the father or mother responds to that situation by only speaking soothingly to the little boy or girl in an attempt to calm him down and to make him eat his food or drink, or when the, child, when the parent yells at the child and screams at him with anger, but never lifts the rod to chasten that child, but spares the rod. That's what the text is speaking about. Or the little boy or the little girl goes to the store with mom, and there are all kinds of toys on the shelves, and all kinds of candy at the checkout lane, and the little boy says, I want this toy, or the little girl says, I want that candy. And mom says, no. Or the child wants to watch something on TV that dad and mom say, you're not allowed to watch, or you're not allowed to watch for that long, or you're not allowed to watch right now, or they want to play some video game. And mom or dad says, no. And when they say no, when the little child throws a temper tantrum and starts to yell and scream and bawl, and starts to even hit the mother and the father and speak disrespectfully to them. The parent who spares the rod and simply tries to calm the child down is described in the text. Or when there are brothers and sisters, and they are quarreling with each other, they're fighting with each other, they're pushing each other and hitting each other, exacting evil for evil and railing for railing. And if the parent is only telling them, you need to work this out, and sighing and wishing they wouldn't do that, but sparing the rod, that's what is described here in the text. He that spareth the rod hateth his son or daughter. Why do some parents, why perhaps do we sometimes spare the rod. 
There are a number of reasons, of course. Some parents spare the rod and never use it because they consider it improper. They consider it abusive to spank a child. Others might spare the rod simply because they're tired of carrying out their duty. It's difficult to be persistent and consistent in disciplining the child, so they become tired and exhausted. Other parents might just be spiritually lazy and neglectful of their duty. Others might be scared, scared of the child, intimidated by the child, or scared by government intervention that might come in and tell them they're not supposed to do that, and that might come in and take their child away. Very real things. And so it's very great danger and temptation to spare the rod. But the Holy Spirit teaches us very plainly in the text that the parent who spares the rod shows that he hates his children. He hates them. The Holy Spirit inspired Solomon to write this text very plainly and very bluntly. We might even say shockingly. He put it deliberately in these blunt and shocking terms. The parent who spares the rod hates his child. Notice, he doesn't say that the parent who spares the rod is making a little mistake, or the parent who spares the rod is maybe using a less effective method of discipline than he ought to use. But he says, the one who spares the rod hates his son. That seems rather harsh to us when we first read it. It seems kind of extreme. After all, we look around us and we see lots of parents who seem to love their children, Parents who spare the rod, parents who never spank their children, but they seem to love their children. They dote over them. They show affection for them. They buy them things. They take them places. They show compassion to them. They support them. They cheer for them. They go to their games. They're gentle towards them. Solomon says this is the truth of the matter about that parent. If he spares the rod, the truth of the matter is that he hates his child. The man or a woman who does all of those other things which are ordinarily good things to do. Cheer for your children. Support your children. Go to their games. Protect them. Provide for them. Show sympathy to them. But the parent who spares the rod when their children sin, when their children walk in sin, when their children rebel against them and dishonor them and break God's commandments, that parent shows that they don't really love their children in the truest and deepest sense of the word. But they hate their children. Now, this kind of hatred is not the most obvious and blatant kind of hatred, as when you hear of the parent who cruelly abuses his child and beats his children, whether with his hands or with some other instrument or with his words. We hear about that, and we say, now that's hatred. That parent obviously hates his children. This is not that most obvious kind of hatred, but it is nevertheless hatred. Because the parent who either neglects to use the rod or refuses to use the rod shows that he is really quite selfish. The parent you see 
is more interested then in what I feel comfortable with. The parent is more interested in what I feel is the best way to raise my children. The parent is more interested in the way the child can please me, the way the child can make me proud of him, and all these other things. The way the child can be successful and prosperous in this world and in this life. These are the things that the parent cares about, but nothing much else. And this parent has in his or her heart an utter aversion and repulsion to doing what is actually best for that child. What is best for the child when he walks in sin? What is best for the child is to do the hard thing, the unpleasant thing, the use of the rod. Because if we do not, then we allow the child to think that there are no consequences for sin, that I can sin with impunity, that I can do whatever I want and nothing painful will ever happen to me. And that child then grows up and becomes an ungodly man or an ungodly woman and walks in those paths of sin to their destruction, their eternal destruction. This is hatred indeed. This is hatred because the parent is not thinking about, not interested in, and not caring for the spiritual welfare of the child, the eternal destiny of the child, the salvation of the child, but they are willing to let the child walk in the destructive paths of sin, in the broad way that leads to destruction, rather than calling the child to repentance and showing the child his need for salvation. You see, that rod that God places in our hands as parents is a symbol of the authority he gives to us to inflict pain on the child when he walks in sin. We're going to see that that has to be done in a measured and controlled manner. Nevertheless, the point is there. It's the authority to inflict a measure of pain on the backside of the child to show him or her that sin results in pain and sin leads to destruction. But the second part of the text is positive. He that loveth his child chasteneth him betimes. Chastening. Chastening can be distinguished from punishment and judgment. The kind of punishment that is carried out by a judge, for example, or a jury upon a man who comes into the court who is accused of a crime and convicted of that crime. Then the judge or the jury levels upon that man, according to justice and law, a punishment. But that judge and that jury has no personal relationship to the man. That judge and that jury is emotionally detached from the man. And that judge and jury are simply laying upon him the just desert of what he has done. They're giving him what he deserves, according to the law. Chastening is different. 
Chastening implies a relationship between a parent and the child. A father-son, mother-daughter relationship. And chastening then is the act of the parent to the child. The parent who loves the child, who cares about the child, not only their earthly well-being, but their spiritual well-being. And chastening then is the activity of applying a certain amount of pain to that child's life, which is sufficient to show him or her the error of his way. And that shows him that there is pain when we sin, and that shows him that he needs a savior. The word for chastening in the text could be translated correction. That's the idea. Chastening is correction. Whereas punishment is throwing a person behind bars, and sometimes they call the prison a correctional facility, but really it's a place where criminals go to receive what they deserve. But chastening aims at correcting the child, stopping him from what he is doing, showing him, causing him to see that what he's doing is wrong, leading him to admit that it is wrong, and to humble himself and to admit and confess and repent. Chastening aims at showing the child, leading the child to a true sorrow over his sin. So that the child cries, not just because he was spanked, but he he cries because he sinned. He cries because he disobeyed mom and dad and his heavenly father. And chastening aims to lead the child to Christ, to see his need for a savior, and to lead him to that savior. And finally, chastening aims at showing the child the right way to live. My son, my daughter, that's the wrong way to live. And that way that you have lived, that results in this pain. This is the right way to live. This is the way you are called to live by your Father in heaven. Walk in that path. The text is clear that chastening makes use of the rod. We have seen that a rod is not a thin, wispy reed that applies no pain whatsoever, but neither is a rod an iron bar that would leave welts and bruises all over the body of the child. A rod is a piece of wood, a stick. And so we know the term spanking stick. That's a good term. That captures what the rod is. Because with a spanking stick or a paddle of some kind, the parent can apply a measured amount of pain to the backside of the little child and show him, teach him, pain will follow that bad behavior. So the parent who loves his child chastens him betimes. That means he chastens his children promptly. He chastens his children regularly. He chastens them diligently, carefully. And he does not give up on it. That child who has taken his food and thrown it on the floor and he's banging on his, his table or his tray and he's screaming at mom and dad that he wants something different. This parent takes the child and applies chastening to him with the rod. The child who's throwing a temper tantrum because 
He wasn't able to receive that toy or that, that uh, candy or not able to watch that television show or play that game. He receives chastening with the rod from this parent. Or when the principal calls from school or the teacher and says, your child has been found bullying other children on the playground. It's been reported and it's been shown that he is a bully. He, he pushes other children down. He, he says naughty and mean things to other children. So the principal calls you or me and tells us about that. Then that parent takes the child and chastens him with the rod for that bad behavior. When the child is caught sneaking, watching things that he's not supposed to watch on TV, cheating on exams, lying to his parents, or whatever sin it might be, the parent who loves his children doesn't let him get away with it, but chastens him with the rod. That's not easy to do. Children sometimes think that we parents like this job that we've been given. We don't like it at all, do we? We don't find it pleasant to chasten our children with the rod. That's why it's so important for us children to hear about this and also us parents to hear about this because by nature this doesn't come easy for us. But it is so, so necessary. It is so important as part of our training of our children. Now when we chasten them betimes, that has to be done in a controlled manner, in a measured way, in a well-regulated, self-disciplined way as a parent. The parent who flies off the handle and loses his temper is not going to apply discipline properly. It's going to be wrong from start to finish. If we as parents find ourselves enraged at what our children are doing, then we need to take some time to cool off first. We need to let a little time pass before we apply the discipline. Because if we apply that discipline when we are in a rage, it will not go well. But calming ourselves down, then we administer the discipline. And then we do it with our minds, not with our gut reaction emotions. We do it with our controlled, sanctified, wise minds. We take a hold of that rod. We grip it in our hands, almost trembling because of the duty that is we are called to do. We take our little child that we love so much. We take them aside. We take them into another room where nobody else is watching. And we strike them on their back once twice, maybe three times, probably no more, so that they feel the pain. There's one particular place where that pain is administered. We all know where it is. Nowhere else on the body but the backside. God has given us that as a place where we can administer this measured, controlled pain to teach them what you did was wrong. And the child is going to cry. If we do it right, they're going to cry. And when they cry, we have to sit with them and wait for a while. Let them calm down. Wipe away their tears and ask them, do you see what you did? Do you see that it was wrong? 
Are you sorry for what you did? Do you realize that you didn't just sin against me and mom or your brother and sister, but you sinned against God? And when our child says, yes, and I'm sorry, then we say to them, and I forgive you. And God forgives you. And God sent his son to die on the cross to pay for these sins of you and me. And we tell them, I'm no different from you. I'm a sinner too. And God chastens me. But God doesn't punish us because he punished his son in our place. And when our little ones grow older, we as parents have to adjust the way that we discipline them so that the literal rod that we use turns into a figurative rod when they become teenagers and as long as they live under our roof. As long as they live in our house, we parents have that rod, whether figurative or literal, given to us. And we are called upon to discipline them. And young people, you need to know that too. As long as you live in your parents' house, they have a calling from God to watch over you and to discipline you. And that might mean grounding you. That might mean saying that you have to go to your room for a while. That might mean you're not going to play with your friends for a month. That might mean I'm taking away your cell phone for a month or more. That's the rod, too. Now, the wisdom of the text is that the parent who does this faithfully shows that he loves his children. He does the hard thing that has to be done. He loves them. The children don't always see it that way, of course. The children don't always see it as love. And Hebrews 12, verse 11, speaks of that. No chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. When we are receiving chastening, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, when parents do that, they're showing that they love you. There are parents who misuse their power and authority and abuse their children with a rod or in some other way. That's not love. And no one may take this sermon or this text and say and legitimize their activity of beating their children, abusing their children with words or deeds, and say, I'm doing it out of love. Such parents are brute beasts. They don't love their children. The parent who humbly, just, and fairly, kindly and properly administers this discipline shows that he loves his children. Now just as with the first part of the text, this is not the most obvious form of love that we see. Usually if you would ask us, what are the forms and manifestations of love as a parent? Well, probably you would say you you have to encourage your child. That's true. You have to speak kind words to your child. You have to build your child up. That's true. You have to comfort him when he is crying. You have to do good to him, feed him, protect him, clothe him, give him a roof over his head, send him to school, bring him to church, pray with him. All of those good things are manifestations of love. But this, too, is a manifestation of love and a very important one. You see, this reveals 
a true and deep love in the heart of the parent, when he or she is willing to do what we don't like to do, because we know that it's for the good of our child. We know it's for their spiritual welfare. Because we don't want, above all things, we don't want our children to walk down the path of sin that leads to destruction. But above all, we want our children to come to Christ, to love Christ and to follow Christ and to walk down the straight and the narrow path that leads to life. And when we learn through the preaching, as we are today, that God uses our chastening as parents, as a means, to guide his elect children in our homes down the way that they ought to go, And that motivates us to love our children in this way too. When we love our children through chastening them in the proper way, we are reflecting nothing less than the very heart of God himself. We're reflecting the actions of God toward us. In the same book of Proverbs, chapter 3, 11 and 12, we read this. My son... And now it's speaking to all of us, young and old. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. Neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. The Lord chastens us because he loves us. The Lord does not punish us. Because the Lord has sent his only begotten son, his own son, into the world. And he has not spared the rod upon his son. But the rod with which God struck his son was not the rod of chastening, but the rod of his wrath. Our Lord Jesus Christ submitted himself to the rod of the wrath and curse of God, the rod of death when he submitted himself to the death of the cross. God struck down his son at the cross. That's what Isaiah predicted long ago. He is is stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. God smote his son at the cross because of our sins. He smote him down, down into the depths of death and suffering and the curse because now God will never strike us with that rod of wrath but he strikes us only with the rod of love, only the rod of chastening to correct us, to stop us in our tracks, to turn us about, to walk in the good and true and right way. And when we remember that as parents, God chastens me in his love, and he doesn't punish me, then that, perhaps more than anything else, will guide us chasing our children properly with the right attitude, the right spirit, with the right reasons. And Hebrews 12 verse 11 says that this chastening which doesn't feel good in the moment afterward yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness in them that are exercised thereby. So there's an important calling for us as parents. And that important calling is implied in the text. 
Everything I have said so far was really just a description of two parents. The text is a description, not an exhortation. The text is a contrast, as many of the Proverbs are. This is true, and this is true. The person who spares the rod hates his son. That's a fact. And the person who loves his son chastens him. That's true, too. But those two truths, which are in contrast with each other, obviously imply that we have a calling. And that calling is negatively, don't spare the rod. Don't spare the rod in training up of your children. Do you have a rod in your house? I think that it would be impossible to spare the rod if we didn't have a rod. Now, there are some parents who believe that they can fulfill this calling by spanking with their hand. And I don't deny that there's a place for that kind of chastening. There's a place for that. But I would submit to you this afternoon on the basis of our text and the other texts we've looked at, whether this might be a time, if you don't have a rod and you don't use a rod of some kind in your house, that you get one. Is it possible that God means to show us very intentionally here what is the wisest way of disciplining our children? Perhaps the wisest way is not that we constantly use our own hands to smite our children, but that we use a tool, not a soft, easily breakable reed, not an iron bar, a piece of wood of some kind to apply the chastening to our children, and that we have that tool in our house somewhere, and our children know where it is, and they see it, and they know what it represents. Consider that. Because the calling is that we do not spare this rod. That's a temptation. Constant temptation for us is to spare the rod. Proverbs 19, verse 18 says this. Chasten thy son while there is hope. And let not thy soul spare for his crying. Chasten him while there is hope. When is there hope? There's hope as long as that child is living in your house. As soon as that child moves out and he's outside of your influence, then you have no more ability to chasten him. When the child is living in your house, that's the time. And the text says, chasten him while there is hope. There is hope for your child as long as he is in your house. And it says, do not let your soul spare for his crying. Oh, yes. When our child hears that they've done wrong, the first thing they say often is, please, I don't want a spanking. And they start to cry already. And then when we give them that spanking, they cry some more. And so the text says, don't let your soul spare for their crying. And it doesn't mean to say, go on beating him until he falls unconscious. No, the text means spank him sufficiently. The amount of chastening that must be given 
is a matter of wisdom on our part as parents. Nobody is able to tell you in that moment how many times to spank, how hard to spank, or what to use. You will have to decide that before God. But the text is very clear that we must do it, even when our children cry. Proverbs 23, verses 13 through 14, gives us this good encouragement and reminder. Withhold not correction from the child. Now listen to this. For if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Now that word beat has a bad connotation in our minds. But just supply the word spank. If you spank him with the rod, he's not going to die from that. He's not. You will spank him, and you will deliver him from hell. That's an encouragement to us. So the calling is that we chasten our children betimes. The other reason that we must hear this exhortation is because of the influences of the world. The philosophies of the world and the threat of our government. Perhaps this sermon could be heard by our government and the one who's preaching it could be arrested for it, for all I know, because of the rules and laws in our modern society. That can make us afraid. That can make us intimidated. That can make us spare the rod. But this is one of those areas of life where we have to obey God rather than men. We cannot be afraid. We know that persecution is coming upon us. One way or another, from one angle or another, it's coming. We can't be afraid of that. And we can't allow that to make us refuse to do what we're called to do. I close with this well-known verse from Proverbs 22, verse 6, which shows that God will bless us. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Amen. Our Father, we give thanks to thee for thy word of wisdom. We give thanks above all for the gospel that thou hast sent thy Son and not spared him, that he would take upon himself the punishment that we all deserve, we and our children. We thank thee, Father, that thou dost now chasten us in thy love. And may we, Father, hold on to that truth of the gospel and put it into practice in our homes. Guard us against all of the dangers that we have heard, the danger of sparing the rod, the danger of using the rod wrongly. Grant unto us a true love for our children so that we guide them in the way that they should go. Forgive us when we have failed in this and encourage us again. In Jesus' name, amen.